Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having me. And I will not let that go. I saw another side to your pastor last night. Oh. Blackmail material. <laughs> this morning, I'd like to share with you from the book of Exodus. This is Mission Week. Theme is support your troops. I thought no better place to speak from than the book of Exodus, chapter 17. If you have your Bibles with you, would you open to the book of Exodus, first book in your Bible? N no? No? I saw some going around going, first book, last book? No? Number two? Okay. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. I've entitled this passage, Thank God for People Like Her. H-U-R, her. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Father, I pray the meditations of my heart this past week and the words that will come forth from my mouth in some small fashion might please you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. In this particular scene from the travels of Israel, we find that great leader Moses mentioned along with his brother Aaron, as well as the first mention of the future leader Joshua. Then all of these men were great leaders in the history of the nation of Israel, and they all played a very important role in that history. But however, there is another man in this passage that is mentioned, and he deserves our attention this morning, and his name is Her. Now this is a man who steps out of nowhere, he does a great work, and then he disappears into those same shadows from which he came. People have long looked to Moses and Joshua as great leaders and great role models, and yes, they were. Both men are class, and rightfully so, as true heroes of the faith. However, I would like to say that the true heroes of this particular passage, Aaron and Hur, they are the true heroes of this passage. 
When Moses' hands were held up as a sign of intercession, interceding for God's people, Israel prevailed in the battle. But when Moses' hands were allowed to fall down, Amalek prevailed. And we see from the narrative that after a while, Moses' hands became too weary to hold up. And Aaron and Hur stepped up and held Moses' hands until the battle was finished. So in my mind, these two are the true heroes of this story. And Hur seems to me to stand out more than Aaron. Here is a man about whom we know next to nothing. Yet he enabled an entire nation to see and to realize a great victory. You take this man named Hur out of the equation and the nation of Israel would have lost this battle. And so for this conference of support your troops, support your missionaries, I would like us to focus on this man named Hur to see what we can glean from him and to look at ourselves. And I would like to say as a missionary and having been a missionary of this congregation since 1987, this was the second church to support me as a missionary. So this church is very dear to my heart and has been for a number of years. So this morning, I would like to pay tribute to every her in this congregation this morning. I would like to honor all of those in the congregation who are willing to take the place of supporting the troops. Those who are willing to take the second line, so to speak, People who are often unnoticed, unthanked, and underappreciated people just like her. Allow me to share with you four characteristics of people like her that make them very special to the kingdom work of God, for that's what all of us are all about, kingdom building. That is why the Lord saved us and then left us here to build the kingdom, to impact the kingdom and the culture. Because I believe that every community has a spiritual DNA. And the Lord has told us that we are to be lights and salt in our community. That is, each one of us, we are to attempt to alter the spiritual DNA of every community that the Lord places us in. That's what it means to be lights and salt. The first characteristic of a person like her is people like her are absolutely invaluable. In this story, Moses is unable to hold up his hands. And if they fall, then the Amalekites will certainly win the battle. But we see that Aaron and her step forth and hold the hands of Moses until the battle is won. Now, the task that her accomplished that day, when you look at it on the outside, it doesn't really sound like a lot to you and I. He stood there on one side of Moses and he held up Moses' arm. 
But had it not been for his work, Moses would not have had the strength to intercede for God's people. Without her standing there, Moses became too weary to do his job. This God-like man, without an invisible person like her, would have been unwilling to complete his mission. Had Aaron and Hur not been there, the battle would have been lost and Israel would have been defeated. So the job that Hur performed was absolutely invaluable. In every congregation, there are a vast number of people behind the scenes who are praying constantly. Most of us know or have heard of the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And one day a newspaper reporter came to him and said, Reverend Spurgeon, what is the secret to your success? You are known now the world over. What is your secret? And Pastor Spurgeon led him through his church. All the way to the rear of the church, there was this small, dark door. And he opened the door and said, follow me. And he descended down a number of stairs into a basement. And there in this basement, there sat around a huge table, people praying. And Spurgeon said, that is the secret to my success. These people are praying for me. There is a prayer chain 24 hours a day. They rotate praying for me. You see me and I get the success, Spurgeon said. But without these people praying for me, I am nothing. I am nobody. Here in this congregation, there are a vast number of you who are constantly praying, not only for your pastor, but you're praying for your missionaries. And without your prayer support, we would be nothing. My wife and I just recently concluded a church plant in the city of Venice, Venice Beach. And if any place needed a God-believing church, it is Venice Beach. Venice Beach was the, is the second biggest tourist attraction in Southern California, second only to Disneyland. How many people knew that? Second only to Disneyland. One million people every week come into Venice from all around the United States and all over the world. Walking down the streets of Venice, it's like the day of Pentecost. You hear every language spoken in the world. They all come there to sample a part of the DNA of Venice. And then they take it back to the countries from which they came. And so the Lord placed that burden on our hearts to alter the spiritual DNA of Venice so that when they come, a part of that new spiritual DNA that they would take back would be Venice Beach Fellowship. This church that was a little bit different the Lord placed that burden on our hearts, but from the very beginning, before we even attempted, we called out to different conservative Baptist churches and we said, we need your prayer support. We need you to come with us to Venice and march around Venice as Joshua marched around Jericho. Well, Venice is our Jericho. And we had different groups, some even from here, Rancho Baptist, you came down to Venice and we all assembled in parking lots. And then we systematically walked the streets of Venice, 
praying over Venice, saturating Venice with prayer. And we did that for six months before we even attempted to start a church. The people like her who interceded, you interceded on our behalf, you interceded on the behalf of the Venetians and the battle would not have been won in Venice without people like her, people like you praying for the success. And at the end of February, we left Venice. It has been turned over to a senior pastor. Venice Beach Fellowship in record-breaking time is a thriving church. It is the, the number one multicultural, multi-generational, -gener, uh, and multiracial church in Venice. In fact, it is the only multicultural, multiracial, and multi-generational church in Venice. It looks like Venice because people like you, people like her, supported your troops in prayer. And I want to thank you for that. The second characteristic of people like her is people like her are always involved. Now, her was not a great leader like Moses. He wasn't a great general like Joshua. He was not a great high priest like Aaron. He wasn't even a warrior like the men in the army. He was just her. That was all he was. The Bible does tell us that Hur was a man of influence among the people. Exodus chapter 24, verse 14 tells us that, and tradition even tells us that Hur was the husband of Miriam, which makes Hur the brother-in-law of Moses and the brother-in-law of Aaron. That is why on one side of Moses stood Aaron and on the other side of Moses stood Hur. They were brother-in-laws. He was no great leader, but however, on this day, there was one thing that her could do, and he did it willingly, actively, and faithfully. He could hold up the hand of Moses, and he did the best job he could do by holding up the hand of Moses so that Moses did not have to worry about exerting any strength to hold that up and Moses could concentrate on interceding on God's people's behalf. Without her standing there, Moses would have to take his mind off his job to rest for a while. Third characteristic of people like her, they are often invisible. This man, her, is not mentioned before this incident, and there are only a couple of other times afterward where he is mentioned. This is a man who lived in the shadows while others around him received the glory. He was invisible to the crowd who could only see Moses, Aaron, and Joshua. The crowd did not see her. As the, after the battle, I can just imagine 
Joshua as he led the victorious Israelite army back into camp. Go with me as we stand in the camp and Joshua is returning, leading the army. And I am sure there were congratulations all around and slaps on Joshua, Joshua's back. What a way to go, Joshua. We really defeated those Amalekites. You led the people. How did Joshua respond? It was nothing. Thank you. We had a great battle plan. I can see Moses returning to camp. That giant of a man, that Charlton Heston of a man. Everyone looking at Moses in awe and admiration with respect and reverence. And Moses being humble. Mothers are whispering to their children, there is Moses. Without him, we would have lost. And all the respect that he had garnered and earned. All the expressions of gratitude. And I can hear Aaron as he led the congregation in a great prayer of thanksgiving. And all the people are following the lead of their high priest, Aaron, as he is leading them in a prayer of thanksgiving because they defeated their enemies. Then standing there in the camp, I can see a man named Her. As he walks wearily toward his tent to rest, no one pats him on the back. No one says to him, great job, Her. No one says, great victory, Her. No one says, you did a great job. In fact, only a couple of people that day knew that Her had done anything. Sort of like most congregations today. Missionaries, we receive the praise. I'm invited to stand before you to speak. Pastors weekly receive the praise. Leadership of the church receive the praise. But where would all of us be without your prayers for us? Where would we be without your support? Unemployment line. Where would we be without you? Where would all of us on the front line be without people like her to support us? To the people that day, her was invisible. But in his heart, her is overjoyed that day because he knows what no one else knows. That his God in heaven was keeping a record that day of what her did. He knew that day that his father in heaven was whispering to his heart, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I do what I do, not for the glory. There's no glory in being a missionary. Paul says, without the hope of the resurrection, we are fools. I do what I do so that one day when I step into heaven, I can look into the eyes of Jesus and have him look into my eyes. I want to see him smile and look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Then it will be worth everything that I go through down here. Being a her, it is often a thankless task. People like her work and others get 
the recognition. But people like her rarely receive the recognition. That is why I want to thank all of you so very much and focus on you. Most of us have heard the name William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Most of us know all about him, the great work that he did with the street people there in Great Britain, a giant of a man, the founder of the Salvation Army, and now today there are Salvation Armies all over because of that giant of a man, William Booth. But let me tell you as a man once said, and now for the rest of the story, why we have a William Booth and his success. When William Booth felt the call of the Lord to go into the streets of London and begin ministering to the street people, he stood in a Methodist conference meeting and he requested from his presiding bishop permission to leave his church and to go into the streets and minister to the street people. He wanted to be released from his congregation because he felt the call of the Lord in his heart to take the message out to the street people. The bishop heard the request and denied it, telling Booth that they would not waste a man of his education and talent on the people of the streets. Upon hearing this, Booth sat down, resigned to defeat, his shoulders slumped, his head bowed. His wife at that time, she was seated in the balcony because at that time women were not allowed in the main floor of the congregation. Only men were allowed. Women were forced to sit up in the balcony to be seen and not heard. But at that afternoon, William Booth's wife stood up, she leaned over the rail, and she called in a loud voice down to her husband. And I quote, she said, Willie, listen to God and not to man. She vowed to stand with her husband against every foe that got in his way and God's way. And she walked down from the balcony, down into the main sanctuary, up the platform, and walked up to her husband and stood beside him and said, listen to God, not to man. You see, she left the shadows where she had been most of her life. She was always unnoticed, overlooked. William Booth always received all of the spotlight. And as she stood beside him and there was total silence in that great auditorium, he put his arm through hers. He smiled at her. And the two of them walked down the steps out the church and he began preaching to the street people. And you have the birth of the Salvation Army. He was ready to quit, but his wife, a lady who usually stayed in the background, stepped out of the shadows to hold up the arm of her husband in a time of need. Thank God for people like her. People like her are indispensable. He received the glory but you know, when the two of them entered heaven, 
I kind of think if they would have gone the same time, and they did not, but if they would have gone the same time, I kind of think the Lord Jesus would looked at William and smiled and stepped over and looked at his wife and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because without you, he would not have listened to me. He would not have heeded my call, and he would have heeded the call of men. Thank God for people like you here this morning who listen to God's call in your life. And the fourth characteristic of people like her, people like her are always investors. As her lived his life and performed his God-given ministry, someone else was watching him. Sometime later, years later, God needed someone to build the tabernacle and provide a place where he, the Lord, could come and meet with his people. And when the Lord looked down at those millions of Israelites looking to find a person that he could use to build a tabernacle, the Lord's eyes settled on one man, and it was a man by the name of Bezaliel. And Bezaliel happened to be the grandson of this man named Hur. And I can just imagine that night after Moses had walked back into the camp victorious, after Joshua had walked back into the camp victorious, after Aaron had walked back into the camp victorious and her had walked slowly to his tent with no shouts of acclamation, he walked into his tent and he told his family what he had done that day. And his little young grandson was in that tent listening to grandpa. And the young grandson understood there would have been no victory without my grandpa. And that young grandson watched on other occasions when others in the front line, other missionaries, other pastors, other Moses and Aaron, when they received the credit but his grandpa was right there in the background. What a witness her had to his grandson. It is the same with you and I. People up front may receive the credit. Leadership may receive the credit, but you pray and you fast and you sacrifice so that we can shine, so to speak. But there are people watching you, grandchildren watching you, your own children watching you, watching you sacrifice so that the ministry can survive. You have three services here now. I remember when it was just one. I remembered when this was not even here. People like her. You are people like her. God needs people like you in order to claim and achieve the victory. That's what the Lord desires, victory. The Lord proclaimed that you and I are to be lights and salts. That is, we are to influence 
our communities. He sends us where he wants to send us and he places us where he wants us to be and he expects victory. Kingdom building, that is the job that each one of us, we may have one job that pays us some money, but all of us have a job of building God's kingdom, impacting the kingdom and impacting this culture for good. So let me close by reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Verse 7. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open it because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth forever. In order to achieve this victory that the Lord has already announced, I challenge and I encourage each one of you here to think about raising up an even larger army of hers to hold up the arms of your missionaries and support your missionaries as we are out there attempting to alter the spiritual DNA of darkened communities and impact this culture for good. I thank you so very much for being such a faithful witness, supporter, an example of a congregation that wants to partner and build the kingdom. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity this morning.